You are freer than you think. It's like the ultimate form of freedom. You expound upon that freedom to develop on this planet. True freedom comes from within. It's the ability. Thinking to myself, I can help you or I can destroy you. Man, as a two-time felon, I work really hard and I've been, a, I've been a life learner. When things are feeling tough, let yourself be surprised. The world favors risk-taking. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Freedom Pact. Okay, joining me on the Freedom Pact podcast today is Barney Hari. You may also know her as the Food Babe and the author of the new book, Food Babe Family. Barney, welcome to the Freedom Pact podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So just to set the scene uh, for everyone listening or watching who may not be familiar with your work, I think it's uh, really important for people to understand your personal story and your personal journey of how you came to talk about this topic and, and dive into this world. I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about where you were with your relationship with food pre-hospital visit. Okay, sure, absolutely. So I grew up with two immigrant Indian parents and when they arrived to the United States, they really wanted to raise me and my brother to be Americans. And so when we shunned kind of my mom's homemade Indian cooking, they allowed us to eat like whatever fast food was available because it was quick, it was easy, it was cheap and it was readily available and this is something they didn't have in india back then it was like you know everybody was cooking from scratch they were sharing a cow like their whole village and you know like everything was just um a lot harder in terms of you know preparation and so just to have this quick easy food available my parents really loved it especially my dad my dad just thought this was like the greatest thing on earth and i just remember coloring all of the um uh, free pieces of paper that you would get at McDonald's. And if you colored it on like Mother's Day and Father's Day, you would get like a free pancake breakfast. And we went, I mean, sometimes we would eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner there too. So I was just eating a lot of processed foods as a kid. And as a result, I had a lot of health issues growing up. I was in and out of the doctor's offices all the time. And my parents were always looking for a solution for my eczema, for my asthma, for everything that I was experiencing. I mean, I was on antibiotics. I, I can't even remember how many times I was on antibiotics or steroids just to control the, the really crazy bits of asthma that I would have that would just be so alarming in terms of like my breathing. And so, you know, the doctors, when we, when we went to them, they never said, Hey, let's look into what you're eating. They were like, here's your cortisone shot. Here's your steroids. Here are your antibiotics. Here's your eczema cream you know, here's what you're going to be doing um, to treat this. And they never looked at the root cause. And so I grew up with my life thinking this is just the way my body is. This is the way I have to live life. I have to have eczema all over my face and all over my body. I have to feel lethargic. I need to feel less athletic because, you know, I didn't really play a lot of sports or, or do anything athletic because I just never had the energy to do that because I was always just like run down by this food that I was eating. And now because I eat a real food diet, I know the difference in terms of how I felt back then and what I feel now, how different it is and how much more I'm able to accomplish physically than I was back then, even when I was you know, 20 years younger. And so, you know, fast forward to right after college where 
I got a really fancy job working for this big consulting firm and they put me on the road and they, again, had this situation where I was like, I, I just wanted to fit in, you know, either it was like be American, right? And this only Indian child in Charlotte, North Carolina, or it was, you know, I want to fit into this like very rat race culture where you're working 80 hour weeks and you're traveling on the road and you're on this expense account and, you know, they're catering breakfast, lunch, and dinner into my job so that I will like work through the meals and just like not leave and like just keep working and billing hours to the client. And so I found myself in this position where I'm like eating blueberry muffins for breakfast. I'm at lunch, I'm eating big spreads of like sandwiches and barbecue and all this stuff and then dessert at the end of that and then dessert again in the evening after like a big spread of Italian. And then in the middle of the night, if you had to work late, all that was available were donuts. So we would eat donuts and it was just like, you know, you're eating, you're working, you're not taking care of yourself. And I just hit rock bottom. I gained a lot of weight, felt really depressed and very anxious about life in general, just like mentally wasn't really well, I feel like, and then ended up with appendicitis, which ended up putting me in the hospital. The first doctor I saw when I had a stomach pain in my side, they actually sent me home and said there was nothing wrong, like to take Advil and you'll be just fine. And it was luckily my parents who were like, hey, you probably should get a second opinion that I was able to figure out that I needed to have my appendix removed right away. Otherwise I would have died. And so it was that moment, I was in my early 20s, and all my friends are like thriving, having fun, going out, and I'm sitting in a hospital room trying to recover from having my appendix taken out. And I just remember the doctors and everybody telling me that like, your appendix, you just don't need it. It's no big deal. We're going to take it out. You're going to be just fine after we take it out. Like all of this stuff, right? Like why? So right then and there, it was like kind of like where my my brain was telling me like, something's not right. Like, why don't you need your appendix? Like, why was it put there? Right. And so that was like one of the first things that I inquired about. And I found out that your appendix is actually meant to populate your gut with good bacteria. And it becomes inflamed actually when you eat inflammatory foods. And that's what I was doing. I was eating a ton of inflammatory foods, a lot of fast food and not taking care of myself and living a very, you know, stressful lifestyle and, um, and so I decided at that point that I was going to make health my number one priority because everything I was learning about the appendix, I was like, wait, this is stuff that no one's ever told me before. This is not conventional wisdom, right? What else is there about what I've been eating? And when I started to look into the ingredients of what I was actually eating, the Subway sandwich I would bring to sit at my desk at lunch and eat the Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich I had before I had my appendicitis surgery, like all of these things, finding out that the majority of chemicals that are in these foods are actually man-made, made in a laboratory, made for one sole purpose, which is to improve the bottom line of the food industry, actually using it, those chemicals as a way to either preserve, create a specific flavor, create addiction in food, um, you know, create some kind of uniformity in food so that they can mass produce the food and always look and feel the same, you know, all of these reasons of like for the food industry, but not for the nutritional purpose of the human body. Mm -hmm. I decided that I was going to opt out of that. Like if I found a chemical that wasn't there for a nutritious purpose in food, I was just going to say no to it. And so the, one of the first things that I removed, I remember was artificial food dyes, because this was something that was in 
all candy at the time. There weren't a lot of like natural candy brands. And I, I, I just loved candy. I think candy was awesome. I was just, I, I know every single kind of candy. I was a candy freak when I was little. I had a little secret drawer that I would hide candy in when I was six, you know, and um, I still loved it as an adult, but I realized like when I looked at the package and looked at all the different numbers that were on the back and like yellow five, yellow six, red 40, like figuring out where those came from, the fact that they came from petroleum, crude oil substances from coal tar. And they basically were linked to inflammation in the body, brain inflammation, problems with your immune system, eczema, asthma, which I was experiencing, as well as hyperactivity, which explains why, like, I never could focus when I was little, right? Um, all of those things, I was like, this is easy, done. I'm just never going to eat artificial diets again. And I didn't, and I haven't in like 20 years, unless accidentally, maybe. But, um, you know, so... So that was one of the first things I gave up. And when I started to make these changes, like everybody around me was like, what is going on with you? Something is different. And I know my skin started to clear up. It started to glow. I went off nine prescription drugs and I started to live a life that I never thought was possible. And I started to look like I never thought was possible. And people around me were like, okay, we want what you're doing. Like, what are you doing? Teach us. And that's when I started foodbabe.com. And I was still, again, working in this corporate race environment. So I hid behind this name, Foodbabe. And I was, I was signing every blog post, Foodbabe. I never even had my picture for the first year and a half of the blog. Um, but as I started sharing on Foodbabe, something started to happen. Um, I started to get really mad about the ways that I had been duped by the food industry in terms of thinking something was healthy that wasn't actually healthy. Like, like for example, taking the term eat fresh at Subway, thinking I was eating fresh, but then I found out that their bread had 50 different processed chemicals in it. One of the chemicals, if you got caught using it in other countries, you would get fined and put in jail. Um, you got fined $450,000 and put in jail. Wow. Uh, if you use this chemical and I was like, well, what, why is it, what is it doing in bread? Well, I found out it's also used in yoga mats and rubber. And it, what it does is it evenly disperses air bubbles in the bread. So it all looks uniform. Like when you make bread at home and sourdough bread, it's going to have all these air pockets. It's going to look very, you know, non-uniform, but Subway, they wanted all their bread to look the same. And so they're using this chemical called azodicarbonamide. And I was just like, wait a minute, this is something like, if you get, it gets heated, according to the studies, it turns into semi-carbazide. It's a, a considered a carcinogen. Then the factory workers that are using this chemical can get asthma from it and all sorts of lung issues. Like this is something that should not be in bread, right? And I remember like writing this investigation, if you will, into Subway bread because I was like, no one knows this information. Like some people need to know what's going on here. The fact that Subway has figured out how to make their bread safer and less chemical and with less chemicals for people overseas and they're not doing that for the people in the united states like everyone needs to know this information and when i shared that investigation along with others like that they started to go so viral because this was information for the first time people were hearing and they just couldn't believe what they were eating and it led to eventually me quitting my job um, because i realized that investigating the food industry and teaching people about what's really in food became my calling. 
And I ended up quitting my job. And I remember when I quit my job, I like said to my husband, I was like, okay, I'm not going to renew my, my consulting contract. I'm going to do this full time. And he just kind of looked at me and I, I thought, He's going to say like, how are we going to pay the mortgage? Like we're dependent upon your salary. Like what's going on? Cause I wasn't doing this for money. Right. It was just for my own passion for health. And, um, and he, and I wasn't making any money doing food babe. Right. And so, uh, it was a really big leap of faith, but he said to me, he goes, you know, what have you been waiting for? Like, this is why you're here. Like, this is amazing. Cause like, you know, companies like Ch Chick-fil-A were calling me to consult with them and I was taking off work to go consult with them, you know, taking off work from consulting with the banks to <laughs> now consulting with fast food giants. And, um, and I was like, okay, this is it. You know, I got to do this. And I just remember what that did for me. It just opened up my entire realm of energy. And I was able to take on some of the largest food corporations in America and get them to change their ingredients. Everyone from Kraft to removing artificial food dyes in their mac and cheese. I got a petition started that received over 350,000 signatures. I went to their, I stormed their headquarters. <laughs> they told me no, at least like four or five times before they eventually had to remove artificial food dyes because their competitor Annie's got all of their customers. And then General Mills ends up buying Annie's for $800 million. Um, I wish I had had stock in there or something, <laughs> you know, I got no money, no, no credit for doing that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was it just an incredible time where I felt like I could take on these small, small, but important issues to bring awareness to the American public. Like, you know, I, sometimes I would get some criticism of like, you know, if you take the artificial dyes out of mac and cheese, yeah, it makes it a little bit healthier, but is it healthier to actually eat it? And it's like, yeah, it's not really a healthy product, right? But now it doesn't have those toxins in it. But what it did, which was so amazing, is it brought widespread awareness of what's actually in your food. And it actually created a movement and a wave of people out there that started to question the ingredients in their food, where now, you know, manufacturers, including my company, Truvani, we pride ourselves in the ingredients that we're using in our products. And we, we clearly label like five ingredients, you know, because ingredients matter, like what you're putting in your body, you should know what you're eating and know the ingredients. And that's something that I believe happened as a result of all of these campaigns getting worldwide news um, and getting, you know, for example, azodicarbonamide, we eventually got that out of Subway's bread and actually out of every single bread manufacturer in America because of the high publicity of this chemical. People just didn't want to eat it anymore, which was fantastic. So, Yeah, and I want to touch on one or two of those big sort of corporate wins you had. Um, but before I get to that, um, you kept there referring to this, the, the theme of um, the American culture and, and all these problems seem embedded in the American culture. It reminds me of a post I saw of yours on Instagram the other day where you were comparing American uh, snack foods to their uh, UK equivalent or their Polish equivalent. And I couldn't believe how different they were. Um, and it reminded me of, uh, I went on a trip to New York, uh, a, a couple of months ago, uh, my first ever time being in America. And I remember going to, uh, the supermarkets, the corner shops, 
and it was very different to the stuff I'm used to. Now, I'm not saying the UK is a is a healthy country, but even, you know, there were really small instances where I'd go to look for a, a drink that had no added sugar, um, and I had to look really hard to find one, whereas in the UK, there are laws that where you, you have to display the, the low-calorie options, um, you know, and they have to be the first option you see. Uh, and it's just seemed very, like a very different world in America. And the post I'm referring to of yours where there's, um, there's, there's all those different ingredients and, and, and different chemicals. What, why is it so different in America? Why are America getting it so wrong compared to other countries? So first of all, the way our governments work are completely different. And yeah. so in, in Europe, they they have a precautionary principle. You actually have to prove something safe to use before you actually put it in the food. Yes. Here in the United States, there's this underlying assumption that everything that's approved for use by the FDA has been like tested and some third party person has looked at the data and made this decision about whether it's safe or not. But the FDA doesn't even have testing available within its um operations, right? It's it's a literally an organization that looks at the information presented by the companies who are creating the chemicals themselves. Hmm. So they present the data and it's, it's much like the pharmaceuticals, right? They they look at the data and they say, okay, you know, you say this is safe. Okay, sounds good. Rubber stamp. Now there's, you know, over 10,000 chemicals that have been added to our food that are approved for use. Many of these chemicals have never been actually third party or safety tested. 3,000 of them are, um, are very loosely regulated in terms of uh, they can be preserved with formaldehyde. They can have hexane added to them, um, all sorts of things that are considered carcinogens. And we have this situation where we are looking to our European governments to kind of say like, okay, if they don't allow it there, then they absolutely shouldn't allow it here. And what I find so maddening and so frustrating is when American companies, American companies figure out that there is a harm associated with a chemical that they don't automatically take out that chemical across the board. They continue to serve us the very dangerous, controversial chemicals here in the United States, but they won't do it for people overseas because they have better regulations. And so this is what happened with Kraft mac and cheese. They were having one kind of mac and cheese in the UK that had paprika and beta carotene to make it a little bit more bright orange. And here in the United States, it had yellow five and yellow six, both dyes um, you know, made from petroleum, linked to all of these issues. And in Europe, if you use those yellow five and yellow six dyes, you have to have a warning label on your product that says may cause adverse effects on activity and attention in children. Well, Kraft's like, there's no way we're going to put this warning label on our product. We're just going to reformulate it with these natural ingredients and serve this overseas. But we're going to still hoodwink everybody else here in America and serve them the crap. And I feel like that's completely unethical. Um, and this is happening across the board even today with Pepsi products, Frito-Lay, Coca-Cola products, um, McDonald's. You know, McDonald's French fries in the UK have three ingredients, okay? And then they add salt after the fact if you want. 
here in the United States, it's nine plus. So it's just, it's crazy. And one of the ingredients is actually one of the ingredients I, I talked about that can be preserved with formaldehyde. It's called dimethylpolysiloxane. It's a the ingredient in Silly Putty. It's, it's a defoaming agent that they add to the oil. And this is something that like, if they can figure out how to not use dimethylpolysiloxane in the UK, well, they need to figure out how to do it in America too, right? And that's one of the things that I find so maddening. The other company I believe that's just so out of line in doing this is Kellogg's. Kellogg's is a company that makes cereals for kids and they advertise to kids. They're using cartoon characters on their boxes. They're putting their boxes on the shelf space that gets right to the eye level of kids walking in the grocery store. And they're making their products with artificial dyes here in the United States, but not elsewhere. And they make the same exact products. They taste the exact same. And they already have the formula. They could easily serve us the safer version. And in 2015, they said they would. And then they reneged on their commitment. Wow. And they basically said, you know what? We're, we're doing the best we can. We're not going to be doing it. Instead, we're going to create some new cereals like Baby Shark and Unicorn that are more hip to kids today. And they still have the artificial dyes in it. I mean, it's absolutely maddening. Yeah, it's crazy when they, you know, when you say something like we're doing the best we can, but they, they're actively already doing it in other countries. So it, it begs the question, how can you not get it right? Um, I mentioned at the top of the show, you have a brand new book, um, Food Babe Family. Now, this is, uh, I think, a really important book because I've always thought if you have a, if you have a cause that you really want to uh, communicate with people, it's really it really amps up when you get the mums on side and um i saw a post you made about uh the terrible 10 the worst ingredients uh we should be avoiding in our in our children's food i wonder if you could speak and just maybe warn the mums the dads out there on some terrible ingredients to keep an eye out for yeah so we've already talked about some which are artificial food dyes and they're in a lot of children's foods but i would say even more so, you really have to work uh, on avoiding these flavors. And if you do this one thing, which is to go look for the words natural flavor or artificial flavor on a label on a kid's product, and you avoid the products that contain that, you will avoid 99% of the bad stuff out there. Wow. Because the majority of food that has to add those flavors back in is dead. It's nutritionless. It's going to taste like crap without those flavors, and it's not real food. So if companies are using those flavors added to their products, it's likely that that food doesn't have any nutrition, tr nutritional reason to begin with. The second reason why I think this is so important is because our kids' palates are being decided right now as they grow up. From the very moment that they are um, born to the point of time around seven or eight, like their palates are completely being like their microbiome in their stomach, their palates, their taste buds, everything that they uh, are going to be accustomed to eating, whether they become a picky eater or not, is destined between those years. So you have an amazing opportunity to avoid a situation where their brain is actually being hijacked by these chemical flavors because people see the word natural flavor and they're like, oh, it's natural flavor. It comes from like a strawberry or a blueberry good, or whatever. Yeah. But 
what's happening by the scenes is it could be a thousand different chemicals under that one label of natural flavors because the FDA does not require food manufacturers to actually list the chemicals that are in that natural flavor. On top of that, they're creating the one millionth best flavor, the, the one millionth best taste of a blueberry, of a strawberry, and putting that flavor into a product so that it literally heightens the sense of that product. So when your kid eats it, they only want to eat that. Like you wonder why your kids only go and eat snacks instead of real food. It's because that snack is designed for the kid to be going back to that over and over again. And it's the same every single time. So they know what to expect. But when you eat a blueberry out in nature, it could be sweet one day. It could be sour one day. It could be chewy one day. It could be juicy the next day. It's different all the time. So when you expose your kids to a variety of fruits and vegetables and every single day switch it up, not only are their palates going to thank you for that, they're going to be less picky eaters. They're going to enjoy more range of foods, get more nutrients in their diet, and they're going to be less likely to eat processed foods. Hmm. Yeah, it's funny. It's, it's a manipulative marketing because I think even the words uh, natural flavors, that that sounds positive that sounds like a positive that sounds like you're making a healthy choice the word natural it, it, of course people are gonna you know and, and i and i think it's hard for people to understand that you know that is a bad thing because there's not much education out there there's not much information around this stuff and a lot of people they don't know what to look for which is why i think uh people like yourself and and uh, i think a mutual friend of ours darren olean do really important great work and um when i mentioned that you were coming on the show um, we were hit with quite a few questions, uh, a lot from the parents, a lot from the mums. Um, and one product that kept coming up that people want to know about because their kids seem to be obsessed with that. I don't know if it's a big thing in the US as there is in the UK, but it, it at one point it was like gold dust year. It costs about £2 retail. People were paying £20 a bottle of this stuff at one point. But a lot of parents, they want to know is this prime drink dangerous for their kids, do you think? Absolutely. So um, this is something that is really popular with teenagers right now. Yeah. And it's a caffeinated drink. And so the amount of caffeine that it contains could be really problematic to a growing heart. And so for that reason alone, it's something that I would avoid making sure that your kids just never consume. I would treat it like an alcoholic beverage, oh. if you will, because it's hijacking kind of the brain chemicals in the brain um, from the, the caffeine and the sugar, but also it's really detrimental to the heart. Mm -hmm. So that's where I would be the most concerned. It's, it's something that is very concerning. Like the, the FDA is looking at regulating it because it's, it's oh. you know, there's been so many complaints from people that have been um, waged as a result. And so this is like one of the, I would say like one of the most dangerous kind of fads out there. The other one is like the hot Cheetos, the Takis, where it's like the super dose of like MSG. And MSG is like one of the worst chemicals that you can have in food in terms of what you eat, because it's like, it's a brain excitotoxin. And it's something that is going to make you eat more than you should. When you look at uh, rat studies and how they make rats fat um, to study obesity related diseases. They give rats MSG 
so that they eat more than they should and they get fat and then they can study these obesity related diseases on them. So it's something we don't want to be consuming. And another thing that I know um, a lot of parents have a, uh, a lot of concern around and um, they don't really understand what the right approach is. Are all breakfast cereals just worth staying away from or is there any light in, in, in that sort of darkness? So there's some new companies, you know, creating cereals, right? Mm. Personally, my kids have never had cereal. Okay. okay. And one of the reasons why I wrote my latest book, Food Babe Family, is because I wanted to share an intimate look into my family. And in you might, you know, think about, you know, you might see my Instagram page or you might read some of my blog posts and think that like I live this very unconventional lifestyle. But when you take a look into my new book, Food Babe Family, and you really see how we live, and I share all of kind of my routines and like what we eat for breakfast and what a typical day looks like and all of the things that we do to ensure that we're eating together as a family, all of the different things that allow us to, you know, eat the same meal together instead of, you know, cooking different meals for different family members based on their preference. Um, and so I really believe that like, you don't have to feed your kids cereal first thing in the morning. And one of the tips that I love to give parents is that they can do a 30 second breakfast every single morning and have it ready to go first thing in the morning. And it's a hot breakfast. All you have to do is get a slow cooker and make organic steel cut oats the night before. It takes 30 seconds to throw in a, whatever, a cup, a half a cup, whatever you want for your family the water, and that's it. And it's so creamy and so delicious first thing in the morning. It's better than any rolled or instant oats. They're actually better for you because they digest more slowly. And they're sprouted, the ones that I buy. So it removes the phytic acid, which makes them more digestible. And then you can add whatever you want on top of it first thing in the morning, almond butter, some ground flax seeds, some berries, whatever, a little drizzle of honey, whatever you want on there to make the oatmeal really delicious. And kids love it. It's first thing available in the morning. It's hot. You know, it's kind of chilly first thing in the morning. It's just a nice warming breakfast. And then if you make something else additional to that, like pancakes or homemade waffles or, you know, some a smoothie, whatever, you have time to do it because your kids are like being occupied, right? And I think that's one of the reasons why people go to cereal because it's like available off the shelf and you can just pour it into a bowl with milk. Well, oatmeal is just as available if you make it that way. You don't have to do what I used to do, which is start making oatmeal from scratch first thing in the morning with like two little ones tugging at you and you end up burning it in the pot and like end up trying to scrape it off because making it in a pot is very, it's, it's much different than making it in a slow cooker where a slow cooker is going to cook it at a very low rate and it's just going to end up being really creamy and delicious and it's not going to stick to anything. It's just, it's, it's, it's so night and day. Um, Another thing I want to mention is that the majority of cereals out there are made with like refined sugar, refined flours. So you're not getting like actual whole grains. Even if they say whole grain on the box, they're adding usually some kind of refined component to it. Also, it's it's literally made to sit on a shelf for like nine to 12 months, maybe even longer. And it's something like, is that going to be like the most nutritious thing that I can put in my kid's body that moment is probably not. And then a lot of them have all these added flavorings that I talk about to avoid. Now there's some companies like Lovebird 
um, that have come out and they have like a more nutritious cereal that doesn't have a lot of these additives that I talk about, but I don't even want to get my kids in the habit of, of eating cereal, like out of a box. Like I want them to see whole real foods in the morning first Mm -hmm. thing. And so I give those strategies in my book, uh, food babe family. And I also share how I make batch recipes that I freeze so that they're available first thing in the morning and I can just warm them up and I don't have to make everything from scratch all the time. One of the things I do all the time is make batch smoothies. I hate getting my smoothie maker out every single day and making, you know, a different smoothie for my kids. Right. So it's like, if I can make 64 ounces of a smoothie and they usually drink about eight ounces, that's eight, um, servings of smoothie that I can freeze throw in the freezer and then take out each evening before I go to bed. And it's available first thing in the morning. And that's a breakfast first thing in the morning or a part of a lunch or a part of a dinner. So, and in a smoothie, you can put all sorts of amazing things in there and they have no idea that they're in there. Not that you're trying to hide things from them in the first place, but like you can still make something super tasty that has spinach and avocado and coconut yogurt and and almond butter and all these things in there that are like super filling like a really good fat bomb first thing in the morning like I love I have this fat bomb smoothie that I make that has these ingredients coconut yogurt which is like pretty much all fat and then probiotics then almond butter fat and protein and then avocado has a little bit of protein and fat right and then I throw in a handful of spinach, but then I add a banana. I add frozen mango. I add a little bit of ginger. I put a splash of OJ, you know, and then uh, some other fruit. And my kids love it. They think this thing's amazing. And I'm like, they're getting everything in there, right? And, And then they're having their, you know, chicken sausage or bacon with it. And they're getting like a full, amazing array of different vegetables and fruits first thing in the morning. And they're getting their protein. It's like a fantastic breakfast. Um, along with the oatmeal, you know, they eat a little bowl of oatmeal too. So they're, they're, they're big eaters in the morning. So they like love like a multi-course breakfast and I have to be ready for it. Um, so, so yeah, I hope that helps. Yeah. And that the, all the links and relevant information for the book, if people want to check it out, will be in the show notes below. So if you want that recipe or more, please go and check that out. The next question I really want to ask you, um, and this was uh, the major pushback from the episode I did with uh, Darren O'Lean recently about fatal conveniences. A lot of people were were commenting and, and, and sending emails and saying and asking the same question about, is this something we need to be 100% conscious of 100% of the time because the quote people used was the dose makes the poison. How much of something do we need to take in before it becomes dangerous? Or with the chemicals you're talking about, are these just to be left alone at all times? You know, uh, I've really thought about this a lot because this is something that has been waged by, you know, the scientific community. Like they like to look things in terms of evidence and like, you know, look at things in terms of like dosage and like figure out like what, you know, what specific dose of artificial dyes would cause the hyperactivity and, and, you know, all of these different things. And like, I think that is a little bit too, um, I, 
think we're in a situation where if we think that granular about like what's happened to our food, we can get too bogged down in what I feel like ends up being very confusing mm -hmm. because food is not confusing. Nutrition is actually not confusing. I think the only people that have made it confusing in the last 50 years have been the food scientists that create these chemicals, right? We know these chemicals don't serve a nutritional purpose to our body. We know that these chemicals could cause several different issues. And because they could cause that, and we also don't know how much we're being exposed to these chemicals, because you know, if you look at a Purdue study that they did back uh, a few years ago on artificial dyes, they, when artificial dyes were first invented, they never expected it to be in all of the arrays of products that it is in today. And when you look at a, a typical child's diet in, um, in America, the overload of artificial dyes is very high compared to what it was, you know, 40 or 50 years ago. And so when you look at that and you say like this exposure is so high compared to like when it was uh, invented and like when it was, you know, when it first started, you know, gaining popularity and putting in food products, like you kind of wonder, like we're like the part of this massive experiment and we don't, we know things are upsetting right now in terms of health, right? Like we're set to be worse off in terms of health than any other generation. And we know that there's bigger rates of obesity, bigger rates of uh, heart disease, bigger rates of cancer than we've ever had before. And so like, I believe that like, basically, I don't even want to look at whether the dose makes the poison. I want to eat whole real natural food that hasn't been adulterated that I know that like God intended for humans to eat. And I know when I'm eating that way, I feel the best I've ever felt. And so that's why I believe that like, I have this responsibility to tell everyone out there the truth about what's happened to our food. But I also think it's their responsibility to teach their children the truth about what's happening to the food. Like, I don't believe like, there's this like, there's this like situation going around the internet right now, like with these like registered dietitians um, and they say, oh, you should never call a food bad or toxic. No, there's definitely bad and toxic food. And there's actually food that shouldn't be, it's not uh, suitable for human consumption, right? It's food that has been invented in a laboratory, man-made manufactured with a bunch of man-made chemicals. This is something that our bodies don't, recognize and don't utilize at all. And I think it's our obligation to tell our kids the truth about ingredients, teach them about all the ingredients that they're eating. Let them make the decision. Hey, this is a, a piece of candy that has artificial dyes made from petroleum. This is a piece of candy where they dyed it with mangoes and spinach and blueberries. Like, you know, like have them choose, right? Or like maybe not even put them in the situation where they have to choose, but just say, explain to them why you buy the ones with the mangoes and the blueberries and the spinach so that they become aware and they're like, oh, well, that's how you buy the best food is you look for the real ingredients. And so when they become adults and they are teenagers and they're going out and buying their own food or they're in college, they're thinking about these things. And I've seen this in my own daughter where it was so funny. She had ice cream day at school and this huge ice cream truck came and, you know, they sent out a letter to the parents ahead of time. And they said, Hey, we're going to have ice cream day 
on one of the last days of school. And I immediately wrote back to the headmaster and I was like, oh, I would happily send the ice cream that day for like the whole school. Tell me, you know, what I can do. And she's like, nope, we've got it covered. And I'm like, oh, geez. Like, I'm like, what are the, you know, who do they hire? Like what's going on? And so it was an ice cream truck and my daughter goes and she picks out a ice cream sandwich because she thought it had less coloring than everything else that was available. Cause she had seen all these bomb pops that were like red, white, and blue and like a SpongeBob pop that was bright yellow. And she was like, you know, this mom I thought was the best. And so she came home and I said, you know, like how, how was ice cream day? And she's like, mom, I picked out this ice cream sandwich. I thought it was the best choice because it didn't have any flashy colors. And uh, it was so delicious. It was twice the size of the ones we buy at home. And I was just like, oh my gosh, it was, it was delicious. And she's like, yes, it was so good. And I was like, huh. So, you know, I was, first of all, just completely floored at her reasoning about what she was picking and she did it all on her own and it wasn't prompted by me and she's six and a half. Right. And, but then I, I did something that I thought, you know, I was like, you know, I'm just so curious, like what's in a regular ice cream sandwich these days? Like what, what are they putting in there? I'm sure they've done something bad to it. So I look it up, right? Like regular ice cream sandwich, what would be in there? There's artificial dyes, even in a regular ice cream sandwich. They're putting caramel color level four in the chocolate wafer on top. And in the vanilla ice cream, they're putting titanium dioxide. And titanium dioxide is actually a chemical that's linked to cancer that they banned in, the, in Europe that's still used here in the United States. Wow. So even my daughter, who was making this choice based on aesthetics, thinking she was making a better choice. She really wasn't. And that's how screwed up the food system is, right? Yeah. And of course, I didn't have the heart to tell her yeah. the truth about that. And I will, if we come across the situation again, I'll, I'll say, hey, you thought you were making a really great choice, but let me tell you what's actually in here, you know, or whatever. Mm. But, but I'm just glad that she thought about it. And this is kind of what we want to do in our kids is have them think a little bit deeper about their food and their nutritional choices, because we have this information at our fingertips like never before. My parents didn't know what they were doing to me when they fed me Burger King. You know, they didn't know. And and now, you know, it's funny because my mom says to me all the time, she says, Bonnie, I'm so sorry. You know, I just didn't know. You know, I was busy. I was working. I, I just wanted to feed you. You know, I just didn't know. Hmm. And it, it's not her fault. And it's not anyone's fault out there. But we have the opportunity right now to make a change and to, to create the next generation of best eaters and for them to pave the way on like what they spend their money on so that these companies that make the toxic versions of everything just go in the garbage. I love that you said there that it's, it's not anyone's fault. And this is um, why I have a little, I have a bit of sympathy and, not pushback, but an understanding um, for people who may not make the best choices because uh, where I come from um, is a very, um, a very working class area of Wales. Um, the majority of, of jobs here are very laborious. It was historically a, a miners town. So people would be, you know, mining for 12, 14 hour shifts uh, coming home. And I'm thinking these may not be the types of people who have the the ability, the time, the resources to really 
study the ingredients on their food, uh, you know, make those conscious choices at that level and have the money because, again, it's not their fault, but the way that the, the food industry works are, if you go out to seek these better alternatives, they, they happen to be more expensive. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is one of the things that I feel like is changing right now. Like, fortunately, there's a lot of places that are having better for you products and access to organic food ever bigger than ever before. I mean, I think about where you live. Tesco's has an amazing section of organic food, um, you know, Costco, uh, Trader Joe's, Aldi, um, Lidl, they have so many options right now for organic food in terms of getting it at an inexpensive uh, rate. You know, one of the first things that I did when I quit my job was teach myself how to live organically on a budget because I was not making a salary anymore, but I still yeah. wanted to eat organic food. And I felt like I can't, that's one thing I can't give up. I got to figure this out. And the best way I did that was start growing my own food. It's like printing money. Hmm. Um, I haven't bought a single like green product, like, like a, a greens, like lettuce in like months because my whole front of my house, my raised beds are full of arugula. And it's just like, I eat it every day out of my garden. I can't even keep up with it. I have, I have it's growing out of my ears. And, you know, I haven't bought a green pepper in like six months because we have so many green peppers. And anytime I need a green pepper for my pizza, it's like, okay, let's go out to the garden. Let's go find it and let's eat this. Right. And it's like, it's like printing money. And so if you can figure out how to grow some fruits and vegetables and organic food, oh, I mean, it's amazing. So. I mentioned earlier on that I wanted to come, uh, I just touched on one or two of your big sort of corporate wins. Um, as we are heading into the uh, winter season, we're heading into October now. One thing that everyone seems to be obsessed with is pumpkin spice, particularly pumpkin spice lattes. Uh, I remember hearing a story about you um, asking a Starbucks employee for um, the ingredients in, in such a drink. Could you please just talk to us about that time where you uh, helped change um, what was known as the Starbucks pumpkin spice latte. Yeah. So this is like 10 years ago now. So 10 years ago, if you went into a Starbucks and you asked for the ingredients in the actual drinks that you were buying, they wouldn't give you the ingredients. They That's wouldn't crazy. tell you what was in it. You call the headquarters. They wouldn't tell you the ingredients. I mean, can you imagine a time where they won't even tell you what's in their food? The same was actually the case with beer and Chipotle too. And I'm, I've changed those as well. But so this was very frustrating to me because Starbucks competitor like Dunkin' Donuts, they were a coffee chain and a, you know, donut chain. And they posted all their ingredients online. No problem for everyone to like have transparency and see what they were consuming. So this was really maddening to me. So I just marched from Starbucks to Starbucks to Starbucks and eventually got an employee to show me all the different concoctions that they put in to make the pumpkin spice latte so that I could like take pictures of the ingredients and like put it together in like a little investigation. And I published that on my blog and it went so viral that it was like 10 million views or something crazy to the point where all of the big talk shows in New York uh, that were worldwide 
invited me to be on. And I went on and Starbucks had no choice but to remove some of these chemicals that were in their food, but also to publish their ingredients for the first time in history. And it was such a huge win because not only do we get one of the most controversial chemicals out of Starbucks food, which was caramel color level four, which is made with ammonia. It's considered a carcinogen according to the International Agency for Research on Cancer. So we were able to get that out, but then they also like remade their pumpkin spice formula to actually include real pumpkin, which was great. And so it no longer was like pumpkin flavoring or whatever they were using. And, and, and now it's a much you know, it's somewhat better for you. It still has a ton of sugar. I wouldn't recommend it. Um, you know, my company, Truvani, just came out with a pumpkin spice protein powder that just tastes amazing. I remember the first time I tasted it, I screamed because it was so good. Feels like dessert. I would love to send you some. Um, but it it is absolutely delicious. And it's got like one gram of sugar versus like 55 grams of sugar, which is in like a grande pumpkin spice latte. And just tastes so much better. But yeah, that Starbucks win was fantastic because now we have transparency into what we're consuming there. Wow, that sounds great. I would love to try some. So everyone out there this October when you're drinking your uh, pumpkin spice latte, please think of Varney and uh, every time you sip, just to know that she's, it's made it a little bit healthier for you. Um, before we let all these guys know where they can find the book, um, I have one question I ask every guest who comes on the show no matter what the topic. So it doesn't have to be related to your work if you don't want it to. And the question is for Varni Hari right now, what makes life worth living? Oh, my children, my children. Yeah, my children, they're like everything to me. So yeah. Beautiful. And that really comes back to the theme of the book, the Food Babe family. So please let these guys know where's the best place. Firstly, they can find the book and second of all, where they can connect with you and find more of your work. So they can get Food Babe Family everywhere books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you know, bookshop.org, all those places. You can also come over to foodbabefamily.com and I'm giving away some amazing bonuses if you get the book and um, want to get some of these bonuses. I'm giving away a year's worth of meal plans, so uh, which includes like a community and support and everything that you need to kind of adopt this lifestyle and make eating real food easier for yourself. And you can also just come on over to foodbabe.com and truvani.com to learn more about the products that um, we're selling over there. It's, it's the number one plant-based protein powder right now in the natural channel. It's really cool. Well, all that will be linked below and I will include those links in our newsletter as well for everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've been an admirer of your work for, for some time. So it's a real honor to get to speak to you and thank you for bringing so much value to the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.